I'm sitting here in the gloom of the early dawn. A specialized lamp before me. The room is very cold, and yet pretty quiet. Oh, I hear the hum of the computer and the occasional creak of the house. This lamp is said to help those with seasonal depression. It is said that by gazing into the light for half an hour at a time in the morning, you would feel better. I wonder if this would work for someone who is blind. Facing the lamp, relax. Let thoughts drift away. Think of nothing. Nothing. Let the weight float off my shoulder. Let sensations fade from my skin. I feel nothing. I am made of nothing. I am as nothing. I am nothing. Nothing is all around me. Nothing is me. Nothing. 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 You're listening to the Johnny Tiger Experience, episode eight. This episode is brought to you by Richmond Martial Arts. Today's quote: "Perfection is an absolute state. There's no more perfect or less perfect. There is just perfect." I am Johnny Tiger, and this is my universe.
friends are telling me Be happy with what you've got Be proud of what you've done It will be Christmas soon But they just don't understand It's not a solution I want Not a sympathy I need Oh, I need to love it Here we are with episode 8. Wow, we are really moving along. By the way, just in case you guys have not noticed, on the podcast, we have several segments, uh, one of which is called Things I Like to Listen To. That is where I will feature old-time radios and some forgotten uh, radio programs for you guys to enjoy. This is for those uh, radio, old-time radio fans who like good stories and ra- audio dramas and stuff like that. There's another segment uh, that uh, is catered to my Chinese friends and the Chinese community and it's called the Oriental Express. That's where you will hear Chinese music and uh, largely the Chinese crosstalk comedy, aka Xiangsheng. Uh, for those of you who don't speak the language, you are not going to get much out of that segment, so feel free to uh, skip past those segments. Uh, those segments will come out once a week. Usually I try to do them in tandem with my Tuesday podcast, because Tuesday is when I do the uh, Mandarin lesson and stuff like that. Also, a newly added segment uh, called Cinema for the Ear Only. And that is uh, catered towards uh, my blind audience and those of you who uh, already enjoy audiobooks and have a healthy uh, auditory, shall, shall we say, auditory uh, imagination. Uh, 
cinema for the ears only is where I will showcase、uh, mainstream movies with descriptive audio. So all the DBS,、uh, aka descriptive movies, will be there.、Uh, obviously, I am not going to claim to host all the descriptive movies available, <laughs> um, but just the ones that I really like myself and would like to、uh, share with everybody. Same with the Oriental Express. That segment will come out once a week. Before we go into the regularly scheduled program, I want to say that we are now actively seeking sponsorship and uh, other uh, ways to be part of the community. So, if you are interested in being a sponsor, feel free to contact me. Or if you have little love messages, happy birthdays, or stuff like that, you would like your loved ones to be able to hear on this podcast.、Uh, Contact me for the donation form. You can find me at johnnytiger at shaw.ca. That magical email address will be given away at the end of the podcast.、Uh, well, magical for me, anyway. <laughs> right. That email address. Let me digress for a second. That email address. What? Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. I just want to talk about my email address. Okay. That email, yes, I know, I know. I, okay, I know we got a full program, got a full schedule.、Uh, that email address, will you just shut up? That email address <clears throat> has been with me for eighteen, nineteen years. Now that's longer than a lot of couples, relationships, marriages out there. So that isn't magical. That's all I want to say. Okay, now. Before we、uh, launch into the regularly scheduled program, yeah, I know I said that before. <laughs> I got a question of the day for you. This is mostly aimed at atheists,、uh, those of us who don't really believe there is a, a God out there. But also, this question is good for those of you of different faiths. So, let's say a God of a different religion. So, if you are a Christian, let's say Buddha suddenly appear in front of you,、uh, or if you are atheist, then it can be any god. Let's say a god that you previously don't believe in suddenly appears before you and tells you that he or she is the true, the real one, and the only one. Will you then? Convert to that religion? Will you follow said god or goddess, or would you hold on to your own belief? And if so, why? If you got an answer for me, send it to that magical email address, johnnytiger at shot.ca. And with that, we will now look at a piece of the Johnny Tiger diary. I don't know how many of you have grown up watching your father beat up your mother、uh, regularly.、Uh, some of you might have had the same thing happen, but most of you, I hope, for your sake, you never have to go through that. Because for a child, for a teenager, 
That's worse than him beating up on you. Seeing him beating up your mom to the point that your mom has to go to the hospital. My mother, on average, had to stay in hospital once every month when I was little, and that's only the times that I knew about. My stepmother Maria got it even worse. She was hospitalized on average three times a month.、Uh, a lot of that is because Maria was constantly pushing my father's boundary, while my mom sort of knew how to work around him a little bit better. It's not a. It's not the kind of thing that you grow up and forget. It's the kind of thing that eat at you, eat at you, until one day that you just say, "Okay, no more. Not going to put up with this anymore." Can you imagine hiding outside your parents' bedroom? The door is locked, but you can hear the scream, the thrashing, the crashing, things breaking inside the room. And your mom crying, and then your dad, your father storming out of the building, and you're too young to know what to do. You're too young to know if this this thing you're witnessing is meant to be. And the next day, your mom would be, oh. Subservient to your father and oh, acting happy as if nothing happened. Many of you might have said, many of you may think, well, why didn't your mom do something about it? Why didn't she just leave him? Why didn't she call the police? Those of you who would say that you don't know Taiwan in the early 90s, early 80s, you don't know my father. You don't know the circumstance. It, even if my mother would have called the police, what they would have done was they all they would do was console her on the phone. Tell her, oh, it's okay. Your husband's just bad-tempered. It happens in every family. Don't rock the boat. And then, as soon as she hangs up the phone, one or two of his friends from the police station would call him and tell him, "Your wife's trying to report you." And something worse would have happened to her. My mother did try to run away once. Then that's what that's only the ones I know about. Maybe she's tried other times, but I only know about one attempt. When I was maybe two years old, this was when I still had sight. My father,、um, my father beat her up really badly that time. I, I can't remember what for.、Um, but she basically said, "Okay, enough is enough." So she took me and ran off to a totally different city. 
Our, our hometown is the southern part of Taiwan. She ran off to uh, almost uh, north, like middle toward north, like four or five cities away. Although when you're talking about Taiwan, that's not really far because Taiwan is just not very big. Within three days, my father tracked her down through his various connections. And rather than going after her himself, all he did was send her a letter. He had his chauffeur deliver, deliver a letter to her. And that night, she came back nice and meek. The letter that he had delivered to her, it said, "If you want to go away, fine. You can get you you can stay away. You don't ever have to come back. But if I don't see my son back in my house by this evening, something bad is going to happen to your whole family." And that's all he had to say. And he could have delivered that threat. He could have make it reality. That's the kind of uh, influence. That's the kind of power my father wielded at that time. We're talking about、uh, about 1983. So I I can honestly tell you, back in 1983. Unless my dad did something really, really, really horrendous, and the other side have some really, really highly ranked politician, my dad could get away with almost anything. He could get away with murder. He could get away with smuggling. He could get away with blackmailing people. Fast forward to 1998. I was back from the street, trying to make life better for myself. My father had stopped、uh, making physical threats against me because、uh, ever since I took him to court. A year ago, he realized that I could not be intimidated. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon, one one day after school. I was outside school getting ready for my karate club. And one of my friends came rushing into the school, saw me there, and grabbed me. And he said, "Johnny, you need to come with me right now. Your dad is trying to beat up your mom、uh, right outside Richmond Center." And I just dropped everything and went with him. And when we got there, my mom was like sitting. On the ground, crying. Right outside Richmond Center. That's for those of you who don't know where that is. That's the largest shopping center in 
the city I live in now, Richmond, in uh, Richmond, BC. Um, it, it's basically a city center, near police station, near city hall, everything. There were people everywhere. My mom, like her, her dress was torn, and she was sitting on the curb crying. And my dad was making threatening noises, like gesturing at her, telling her to get the fuck up, and otherwise he's going to mess her up right there. And, and they were like police, like two policemen, right there. They didn't do anything. They were sitting in their car. They were sitting in a police car, like almost like they were just watching to see what would happen. I guess they were trying to.、Uh, I guess they were waiting for my dad to hit my mom, so they could arrest him. I walked up to them. Me and my friend, actually. I said to the cops, "I'm going to maybe do something very violent in the next minute." All I ask is you guys don't stop me. Afterward, put me in jail. Whatever, I don't care. I won't even try to fight.、Uh, fight, fight in court. Just let me do what I need to do, since you guys aren't doing shit. I went up to my dad. I put my finger right in his chest. I said, "Listen, you don't do this in Canada. You don't do this anywhere anymore. From today on, if you lay a finger on her ever again that I hear about, I'm going to beat you so bad." That you won't be able to walk ever again. I put up with you beating me. I never fought back, even though I could. I never fought back. I never defended myself when you hit me, because I respect you, because you were my father. But I will not stand by and let you beat a woman and let you beat my mom anymore. And my dad just. Totally went quiet, and I think he was really shocked because even though he knew, I think he always knew,、uh, even from two or three years ago before that, he knew that physically I could threaten him, but he never believed that I would. To my knowledge, after that day. He never raised a hand to my mom ever again. I wonder if I done this earlier, it would have saved my mom a lot of pain. I don't know if I could pull this thread off earlier, before the street life, before all that bad stuff. I think the street life, the the gang stuff, the sleeping on bus benches in the cold of November, and living in drug houses with people who sell drugs and sell guns, I think that changed something in me. That it crystallized a part of me that was always too soft to really would go up against my father before that, at least physically. Growing up, seeing your father hitting your mother, listen to that all the time. It's not healthy.
it quite often it traumatizes a person for life. And it's not until that day, under the summer sun outside the shopping center in front of two police witnesses, that I shrug that trauma off my shoulder and became my mom's defender for real. Something that I felt that I should have done years ago. Whoa, that came out really, really heavy. <laughs> sorry about that. Well, no, I'm not sorry. I think you know that's always a part of my past that a lot of people never got to see, and part of my past that、uh, really forged me into who I am today. Things I believe in, and、uh, I think it's important to share some of these more serious stories, so you guys、uh, don't think I'm just a、uh, clown who jokes around, <laughs> just does some martial arts and stuff like that. Anyway,、uh, that was definitely、uh, a, a lot to digest, I guess.、Um, so、uh, we'll lighten the mood with a little comedy song. And then afterward, we'll come back for this week's action figure review. Hush, little girl, sweet baby, don't cry tonight. Daddy's here and he'll sing. Please don't 
Less than an hour ago, a Category 3 kaiju breached the Sydney barrier. In the middle of the sentence, shaky cell phone footage of the event replaced the image of the reporter. A scrolling feed along the bottom of the screen identified the kaiju as Mutavore. Raleigh stopped and watched. The kaiju tore through the wall built around the perimeter of Sydney Bay, hopscotching islands along an artificial archipelago that had been built in order to keep kaiju out. Aircraft fired missiles at it, as they always did, and Mutavor ignored them, as Kaiju always did. It slogged through the harbor, swamping ferries and pleasure boats on its way to the city. That thing, said a voice. Raleigh looked over and saw that even here he couldn't avoid Tommy. It went through the wall like it was nothing. Just like Stacker Pentecost had always said, Raleigh thought. The TV reporter kept talking. This is the third such attack in less than two months. Two more Jaegers were destroyed. Cued by the change in topic, the feed cut to a Jaeger sinking in the coastal shallows. Its torso ripped open and flames roaring in the open ruins of its head. The broadcast cut again to Mutavor hammering away at another fallen Jaeger, beating it into scrap with the Sydney Opera House in the background but the news anchor's tone brightened. But the Australian Jaeger, Striker Eureka, a Mark V piloted by father and son team Herc and Chuck Hansen, finally took the beast down. At the mention of the pilots, service portraits of the Hansons flashed across the screen, quickly replaced by a ground-level view of Striker Eureka and Mutavor going at it. On the TV screen, Striker Eureka lit Mutavor up with a rocket barrage from short range. The rockets dug into the kaiju's carapace and detonated inside it, blowing away huge chunks of flesh and shell. Mutavor staggered, and Striker Eureka finished it off with some kind of bladed weapon. The dying kaiju slumped and then toppled over sideways at an angle from the Sydney waterfront, deeper into the city, crushing an entire block of condos and tourist shops as it fell. And here we are with another action figure review. Before we go into that, let me recommend an awesome, awesome action figure podcast for those of you who like action figure reviews. Because what I do here is really not that good. Um, this is one reason why I do not uh, do a lot of action figure reviews. And in fact, it's not until a couple of years in the, uh, in the past that I started doing sort of an action figure review. The reason being that me being blind, I know that's kind of a lousy excuses and I do agree that being blind shouldn't stop you from doing a lot of things. But 
in this case, I have found that me being blind, I tend to miss out on a lot of fine details such as colors and etchings and tattoos and markings and stuff like that. So when I uh, review an action figure, a lot of these information that would be recognized at a glance by a sighted reviewer, I have to do very extensive research. So maybe you can pick up a action figure and do a review right away. But for me, it takes about two hours of Googling and reading blogs and stuff like that before I'm comfortable enough to review it. So if you want a truly professional level action figure podcast, I suggest checking out the Action Figure Blues podcast. Again, it's called the Action Figure Blues. They have hundreds of episodes covering a wide variety of interviews and uh, discussion topics and action figure reviews. Of course, continue to listen to the Johnny Tiger experience because no one can review an action figure uh, quite like me. Uh, That's not to say as good as me, but quite like me. (laughs) Anyway... As you've heard in that preview, the action figure we are reviewing today is Mood of War from the Pacific Rim, made by NECA. It is one of the last figures being reviewed, or being uh, released, sorry, in the uh, Pacific Rim line, and it is quite an amazing figure. As I said before, I've always got a fondness for giant monster kind of action figures. In fact, a friend of mine once remarked, How come all you got on your shelves are nearly nearly naked women and grotesque monsters? (laughs) Um, Mutavore looks almost like a cross between a shark and a dinosaur. Uh, it is an awesome, awesome-looking kaiju. Uh, kaiju, by the way, is Japanese for monsters. Uh, what makes Mudavor very unique is that its head looks like it's upside down. So rather than the lower jaw being the moving part of the mandibles, the upper jaw actually moves. Within the jaws, there's a tongue, uh, and rows and rows of teeth. The, the teeth look a lot like uh, sh- sharks. Um, and the eyes, rather than being on the top of the skull, is actually on the lower jaw. It has six eyes, three on either side of the lower jaw. At the bottom of the lower jaw, there's a huge crest uh, that goes down for a bit before protruding forward like a sickle. On the top of the snout, uh, there is a smaller hooked spike that goes towards the back of Mutavor's head. Mutavor has kind of a longish neck. Its body is mostly covered in scales like a crocodile or a dinosaur with sharp ridges and spikes coming out of its elbows and 
forearms and uh, behind the upper arm. Uh, there are bony plates on the side of its hips. Uh, big bony carapace uh, on the outside of its legs. Uh, on its back, there's a giant fin-like structure. Uh, kind of like one of those Spinosaurus, if you can imagine that. But this uh, fin is shaped more like a shark's fin. Another very interesting and unique feature of this kaiju is that its tail is split in half from the halfway down. So in the video game, in the Pacific Rim video game, Apparently, the tail can act as like a pair of scissors, uh, giving the kaiju an extra weapon. It has six limbs, four larger ones, and two smaller ones coming out of its chest. The two large front limbs is tipped with two hooked claws on each one of them. Uh, the small limbs coming out of the chest look like the forelimbs of a praying mantis. They are quite small, but they still look kind of dangerous. The powerful hind legs also are tipped with two claws on the uh, front, in the front, and a dew claw coming out of the heel. And there's another spike coming out of the back of the uh the, the lower leg. It is quite a big action figure. Uh, it stands about nine inches tall to the top of its fin. And it, depends on how you pose it, it can be around seven inches wide. And from snout to tail, it is almost a foot long. And it weighs almost a pound. It is a hefty, hefty figure. Despite it being so big, all the joints are very solid. It has uh, hinged jaws, uh, swivel and bow-jointed neck, uh, bow-jointed torso, I think, like diaphragm. Uh, it's Upper arm has articulation at the shoulder, the elbow, the wrist, uh, and most of these are swivel and hinge. The smaller chest claws, or the mantis claws, like I, I like to call them, the, are they articulated at the elbows and shoulders. The hind legs are articulated at the hips and knees, uh, and the heel, or the ankles, rather. Uh, the knee joints and I think the elbow joints look to be ratcheted joints, so they click into place and uh, hold very firm. When you first get Mudavor out of his box, you need to do a little bit of assembly, nothing complicated. You just need to package his giant uh, dorsal fin uh, 
you, know, you just need to attach that to his back. Overall, this is a very, very impressive uh, figure of a monster. Even if you are not into Pacific Rim, which I can't really figure out why you wouldn't be, but if you are not, as long as you are into weird-looking monsters and kaijus, this guy would fit in with your display and give your heroes a really good fight. I got this figure for about $50 uh, on sale, and usually he would be a little bit more expensive. Uh, it is a pricey figure, but for the weight, the size, the details that go into making this figure, it is really, really worth it. Thank you for checking out today's review. We will end the review with a little clip of Mudaverse Fight from the Pacific Rim movie. It's descriptive, by the way. <laughs> the news report. Thing. Went through the wall like it was nothing. It was the recently decommissioned Jaeger, striking Eureka, piloted by Herc and Chuck Hansen, that finally took the beast down. The Jaeger smashes the kaiju in the face with its metal fists. A compartment opens in the Jaeger's chest, revealing several cannons, which then blast the kaiju with multiple rounds. The monster reels under the onslaught, then collapses into the streets of Sydney. And now, a word from our sponsor. In the winter of 1981, a beautiful baby was born. That baby was me. When I was three years old, Stephen Johnson's syndrome took away my eyesight and the hearing in both ears. Two years later, after extensive surgery, my left ear was restored. At the age of nine, I learned my first martial art. At the age of 17, I taught my first student. When I was 30 years old, I thought my dream of fighting on the world stage would always be just that, a dream, because, because I was blind. But I was wrong. I'm Johnny Tiger, the first blind Canadian to take silver medal in the Tofisa World Martial Arts Championship. With silver medal from Canada, Johnny Tiger! With Richmond Martial Arts, my dream became a reality. Want to realize your dreams? Want to train in a friendly? 
professional and encouraging environment, contact Richmond Martial Arts today at 604-241-7624. Again, that life-changing number is 604-241-7624. Visit us at http colon slash slash ww dot r i c h m o n d k i c k s dot com slash that's http colon slash slash ww dot richmond kicks dot com slash mention the johnny tiger experience podcast for your free trial class ask me anything Find the keys to your heart. Tonight, I want to take this chance to answer uh, questions from Ian. Uh, thank you for leaving me the comment. So, uh, for those of you who have not seen the uh, question, the question goes like this. Hey Johnny, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? When and how did you lose your vision? Do you have a memory of being sighted? Can you tell us about some of your earliest memories? I'm sorry if that voice is not uh, exactly uh, your voice, Ian, but, you know, um, I thought this would uh, give the question a little bit more character if a, a unique voice read it out. When I was born in 1981 in the city of Kaohsiung in Taiwan, I was just like any other baby. I was a healthy baby, a very mean and loud baby. And my most striking feature were my eyes. My parents still tell me to this day that I had the most striking eyes they've ever seen. All that changed when I was three years old when I contracted the Steven Johnson syndrome, a debilitating condition which kills a large percentage of people who ever contracted it. I was one of the lucky few that survived it. But as you all can see, I did not survive unscathed. Stephen Johnson syndrome um, attacks the nervous system, attacks the muscles and nerves it took my eyesight in both eyes it took away all the hearings in my right ear it also kills off a lot of the nerve endings in the right side of my face so as some of you might have remarked when I talk or smile uh, the right side of my face does not move as naturally as the left side of my face in fact I have people who asked if I had a stroke before. Sorry about the computer noises in the background. When this recording was made, I actually forgot to uh, turn off some of the functions on the computer. That's why it's so noisy. 
a lot of people ask me if I have any memory of being able to see. To be honest, I, that I don't remember anything. That's, but I have an uncanny、um, sense for direction. I have a great、uh, ability to remember. Uh, routes and roads I've walked.、Uh, I can visualize things extremely well. And the most interesting thing of all, I am fully sighted every night in my dreams. I can appreciate the blue of the sky, the endless ocean, the green of the trees. And faces of relatives that I should have no right to remember. I want to stress that I don't just see these things in my dreams. I actually remember how they felt. I, I remember what I liked to look at, what I disliked. So somewhere in here, somewhere in my head. There is memory of those times. Maybe that contributes to me being good at martial art, me being good at、uh, crafting. I don't know. It's possible. Not too many people remember. Times when they were three or before, and I can't say that I remember too much of it either. I think the Stephen Johnson syndrome was so traumatic that my brain only want to remember fragments of those times. But I remember my mother. Waving her hands in front of my eyes, asking in very hopeful voice, "Can you see this? Can you see my fingers? Anything? Can you see anything?" I remember she whispering into my deaf ear, trying to see if I could hear even a single trace of sound. I remember the joy, the hope in my parents when, after my first eye surgery, I was able to tell them what color the light was at the intersection. And I remember their sadness. I remember their distress. When my body rejected the surgery, the transplant, I remember not being able to see again. For some reason, because my parents treated me and my brothers all the same, I did not get 
treated any differently just because I was blind. So, for some reason, in my young mind, I thought that my brother, I thought everyone else was, was like me. I didn't think I was anything different. I didn't think I was anything unique or special, or I didn't know I was broken. Until one day, I was playing a game with my brothers in the neighborhood park, and I asked them, "How come you guys can catch the ball so much better than I can?" My younger brother said, "Oh, because, well, we see it." That's when it clicked that they got the advantage that I didn't have. That they were different. I was different. It sounds kind of ridiculous, but that's when it clicked for me. That's when I first found out that not everyone else was like me. Those are. Some sad memories, some good memories, some bad memories. But I hope these、uh, sufficiently answer Ian's questions. And I thank you all for being here with me. And I will、uh, try to answer everyone's question as they come. So please don't be shy. Leave comment. Leave question. A farmer who lived by the railroad can't find his prized bull one day. Thinking the bull has been killed by the train, he decided to sue the railroad for five thousand dollar. The railroad in turn engaged a high-power attorney, and after a grueling court battle, the lawyer was able to get the price down to five hundred dollar. As they left the courthouse, the lawyer, very smug and happy with himself, said to the farmer, "I don't mind telling you that you got totally outsmarted. That bull of yours probably actually worth ten thousand dollar, and we got rid of you with just five hundred. Man, let this be a lesson to you." The farmer smiled and said, "Well, I have a lesson to you too. The bull actually came home last night." <laughs> well, I guess the lawyer learned his lesson this time. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to the end of episode eight. Before we end the episode, I want to tell you guys that next episode is going to be very, very interesting. I mean, every episode is interesting, but next episode we are going to be interviewing a very interesting person. This person is blind,、uh, and in many ways, even more. Uh, dynamic and impressive than myself. He is a father. He is a banker. He is a 
very, very great audio engineer. He is a writer, and he also practices martial art. So please keep tuned for episode nine, and hopefully you will all like it. If you have questions for me, comments, suggestions, or little messages、uh, you want me to play for you in future episode, donation request, sponsorship information, send it to Johnny Tiger at s h a w dot c a. That's Johnny Tiger at shaw dot c a. You can also find me on JohnnyTiger dot com. Or on YouTube as Johnny Ty or Johnny Tiger. I'm also on Reddit, Facebook. You can find me also on Google. Just put my name in quotation, Johnny Ty, with keywords such as martial arts or self-defense. Thank you for being here with me for episode eight of the Johnny Tiger Experience. See you guys in the next episode. If you search for tenderness, it isn't hard to find. You can have the love you need to live. But if you look for truthfulness, you might just as well be blind. He's always seen to be 